Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, April the 1st, 2022. It is currently 3.26 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but it was back on June the 21st. June the 21st, 2021. Do you remember what you were doing the summer of 2021? June the 21st, 2021. Now, you may remember, you may have no idea what was going on in June of of 2021, but you may remember this. On June the 21st, 2021, a podcast episode was released. That podcast episode was called, Who Killed Mars Hill? Who Killed Mars Hill? And it was the first episode the first official episode, they had released, I believe, two trailers, kind of two introductions to the podcast. But Who Killed Mars Hill was the first episode to be released for a new podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And that podcast shot up the podcasting charts. People were listening to it everywhere. It was one of the most talked about podcasts of the summer of 2021, really going all the way to the end of 2021. People kept talking about it. Other podcasts were made talking about that podcast. There were articles written about it, blog articles written about it. Everyone was talking about the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. All right. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Someone says, let's see, in the summer of 2021, I was mowing while listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Exactly. Okay, the fact that you were mowing, uh, that's, you're a better person than me because, okay, we won't get, I I have no desire to be outside for anything, but okay. So they were committed to making their yard look good and listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. There were people doing all kinds of things that summer, listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It was Again, you, it was just kind of like a, one of those podcast sensations that it captured everyone's attention and everyone was talking about it. Let me remind you of the description of the podcast. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, founded in 1996, Seattle's Mars Hills Church was poised to be an influential, undeniable force in evangelicalism. That is until its spiraling collapse in 2014. The church and its charismatic founder, Mark Driscoll, had a promising start. But the perils of power, conflict, and Christian celebrity eroded and eventually shipwrecked both the preacher and his multi-million dollar platform. Right? Um... So, so someone else uh, just in the chat said that they were listening to the podcast when they were mowing the yard as well. I guess it was the go-to podcast to listen to when you were cutting your grass. I guess, I guess that's that's kind of interesting that that's two people saying the same thing. But everyone was listening to it. Everyone was talking about it, and you get an idea what it was about. It was about the collapse. It was about the total collapse of Mars Hill's church in Seattle. It was about the collapse and the downward spiral of its celebrity, Pastor Mark Driscoll. It is an absolute tragic tell. 
Now, I can't speak for everyone else, but for me, I, I, I did a number of, of podcast episodes about it, and I kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. First, I, well, I said a couple of things. One thing I kept saying over and over and over again is how emotional it made me. Over and over when I was listening, I would find myself tearing up. I would find myself like, you know, a lump in my throat. I, a lot of times I just had to get up and start walking around and it just made me emotional because it's just, it's just sad how this thing, this church just rose to such prominence. Everyone was praising Mark Driscoll. And then the next thing you know, it all come collapsing. And many of the people who were praising him, then it just, it, it felt like it, it, even just not just listening to the podcast, but just watching everything unfold at that time. It just felt like that a lot of people who were at one day, Praising Mark Driscoll. He's the best preacher. He's great. He's theologically sound. Don't criticize him. I'm tired of all you people criticizing him. It's just a bunch of old people out of touch. And then the next day, they were like, crucify him. Crucify him. And it was just so sad to just see how it went from something so powerful and influential with so much support to so many people turning on it. So it, it it brought back a lot of those memories and I kept and I kept just talking about how emotional I got listening to it. It was emotional for me to listen to. Not that I was ever a Mark Driscoll fan. I did a lot of trying to understand his celebrity and understand why everyone was so drawn to him and there were certain things I could understand there's certain things I couldn't understand but I I can't say that I was a fan but it still was horrible to just watch it all implode. It was horrible. So I got very emotional listening to the podcast. But number two, I kept saying it over and over and over. Well, we, it's so easy to listen to a podcast like the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And we listen to it almost, uh, ooh, can you believe how messed up that church was? Can you believe Mark Driscoll said that in a sermon? Can you believe that happened in one of the meetings with the elders? Can you believe the elders did that? Can you believe Mark Driscoll did that? Can you believe? And just almost like we're just watching it like a spectator sport. Like, it's just like, ooh, I get all the dirt and they were all messed up. And then a lot of people under comments all over the place about the, the, the episode, about the pod, uh, not, the, not only the first episode, but many of the other episodes, you would see this was a common reaction in many comment section. Well, I knew from the start, Mark Driscoll was garbage. I knew from the start that he was fake. I knew from the garbage that he was a heretic. I knew from the start that he was a heretic. And it's like, so everyone wanted to pat themselves on the back. So here's a story of the collapse of a church. And everyone wants to be in the comment section saying, I knew from the start, I just, something didn't sit right with me. People love to do, I don't know why people love to do that. And I guess it makes them feel superior. Hey, I, I knew, I knew this guy was messed up from the start. I don't know why it took the rest of you so long to figure it out because I'm morally superior. I'm better than everyone else. It just seems like th th there may be a time and place to point out that you had it all figured out, but sometimes, I don't know, well, the building is still burning, I don't know what, well, well, they're still removing the bodies from the building. Is it, is it, is it, is it time for you to hop in front of the cameras? And go, I knew this building was going to burn down. I mean, maybe, maybe we let everyone process the destruction of what happened. I don't know. But I, so a lot of people were doing that. I kept saying, instead of looking at it like a spectator sport, we need to look at it almost as a mirror. Instead of looking at it as a window, that we look out the window like nosy neighbors trying to find out everything that happened in Mars Hill back in the, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, all, all of the years um, 
oh, it was actually founded in 1996. So 1996 to 2014, that we're looking out the, you know, out the window like a nosy neighbor going, ooh, can you believe? Ooh, can you see? Did you see that? Instead of doing that, I said we need to look at the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, as a mirror, as a mirror. And we need to see ourselves. How, what can we learn from what happened to them? What can we, how, what can we learn about ourselves, our own weakness, our own failure? What can we, what can evangelical Christianity learn about celebrity culture, right? Because a lot of people criticizing it, in many cases, support the very things that I think prop up celebrity culture within evangelicalism. Don't get me started on my, you know, normal rant on the conference system where people are paying hundreds of dollars to hear a person preach God's word. That, that just, that just creates the celebrity culture, right? That's just, yeah, don't even get me started on that. But instead of people looking at it as a mirror, people just wanted to see it as a window. And I'm just like, we need to do this. So I, I kept talking about my emotion and I kept trying, kept trying to remind us that we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at ourselves. We need to look at ourselves. Those were two things I kept saying about it. Now, if you don't remember, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill was produced by Christianity Today. This is very important to remember, that it was produced by Christianity Today. And while they were producing a podcast about how much Mark Driscoll messed up and, and chronicling his demise and his spiral downward and the complete collapse and destruction of everything Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill associated, as they were reporting that, it appears there was some things going on. And just the other day, a new episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill has been released. And... The title, remember the, the first episode, What Killed Mars Hill, right? The first episode, let me go all the way back to it. Uh, the first episode was called Who Killed Mars Hill? Who Killed Mars Hill, right? That was the first episode back in uh, June of 2021. Now we jump to November. In fact, I'm going to click on it. We jump to, no, or, I'm sorry, not November, March the 29th, 2022. So we go from June 2021 to March 2022, and they release a new episode, a brand new episode of Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Okay, is is well, is there going to be some follow-up? What are we going to learn? And then you see the title. Christianity Today, or CT, standing for Christianity Today, reports on itself. As soon as I saw the title, I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we start in 2021. All the fingers are pointed at Mark Driscoll. All the fingers are pointed at Mark Driscoll. Now, I'm not saying saying that was the intent of what Christianity Today was trying to do, but that's kind of what it turned into. Mark Driscoll was a jerk. Mark Driscoll was messed up. Mark Driscoll. And let's play clips from his sermons that make him look as bad as he can look. I mean, there was a lot in there that really made Mark Driscoll look horrible. I'm not saying, I'm not excusing anything Mark Driscoll did. I'm just saying that they clearly were the ones producing it. And then all of a sudden you get to March and all of a sudden, wait a minute, They have to report on themselves. Here's how that new episode begins. 
From Christianity Today, I'm Mike Cosper, and you're listening to a special episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. On March 15th, news broke at Christianity Today about another Christian organization reckoning with years of misconduct from within. In this case, it was a history of sexual harassment, and at the heart of the story was a system of policies and procedures and an office culture that failed to take accusations seriously, address them appropriately, and discipline those responsible. The organization in question was Christianity Today. I first found out about this about six months ago, while we were right in the midst of producing and releasing episodes of this podcast. Leaders at CT let us know that an independent, third-party investigation was about to begin, looking at issues like sexual harassment and bias inside our organization. The plan from the outset was to make their findings public. At the same time, our news editors were asked to consider doing independent reporting of their own. They believed it was newsworthy and decided that Daniel Silliman, our news editor who's done investigative reporting into other Christian organizations in the past, like Ravi Zacharias Ministries, would take the lead. His work would be edited by Kate Shelnut, CT's senior news editor, and it would be published at about the same time as the third-party investigations report. No CT senior leaders would see it before it went live. All of this was published on March 15th, and in both the independent report and in Silliman's reporting, you'll find a years-long history of unchecked sexual harassment inside CT. In particular, Silliman's reporting found 12 first-hand accounts of sexual harassment centered on two individuals, a former advertising director named Olatokunbo Alawoye and CT's former editor-in-chief, Mark Galley. Alawoye's time at CT ended in 2017, when he was arrested for trying to pay to have sex with a minor. Galley served CT for almost 30 years, including his last seven years as editor-in-chief. He retired on January 3rd, 2020. According to Silliman's reporting, harassment included a variety of unwanted touching, inappropriate remarks, and more. Some instances of harassment were reported to human resources, but didn't result in formal discipline. Many others weren't reported, as victims of harassment felt that they had no reason to believe that anything would be done about the offenses. The first time these issues were formally addressed came in August 2019, shortly after the arrival of CT's new president, Timothy Dalrymple. According to Silliman, Galley was accused of unwanted touching of three women in three days during a gathering for CT employees who worked remotely. Dalrymple, who'd been unaware of the history of these complaints, confronted it only to find out there were no written reprimands or warnings given to Galley about past offenses. Because HR guidelines typically require an escalating process in response to these allegations, Dalrymple and others felt their options were limited. Galley was given a written reprimand, the first one in his HR file. Shortly thereafter, he announced his intent to retire at the end of the year. You'll find links to all three of the articles CT published in our show notes. The findings from Guidepost Solutions, the reporting from Silliman, and an editorial from Timothy Dalrymple, acknowledging the ways we failed as an institution, grieving the impact of that failure, and describing what we hope is a pathway forward. I, I don't know what to say. When you hit play for a podcast that was all about Mark Driscoll and how Mars Hill messed up 
and they go from the in June 2021 till you get to March 2022, and all of a sudden it's not fingers pointed at Mars Hill, it's not fingers pointed at Mark Driscoll, it's them revealing what had been going on in Christianity today. Now you can read all the reports, you can go listen to that entire episode. It's that we played three minutes of it. It's 50, it's over, it's almost 59 minutes left of it where they talk about everything that occurred, the culture, as they talked about the, uh, they learn how that Christianity today's informal HR policies hurt the organization and how a ministry as family attitude enabled predatory behavior. And they go through talking about some of the, well, just some of the things that occurred. Now, when I heard that, I got just as upset as I did. Uh, yes, there, there. Okay, that's exactly where I'm going. Someone just posted something in the chat. I'm not going to read it right now because it's going exactly where I'm going. As soon as I heard that, I got upset and emotional again because, as, again, it's another Christian organization, another Christian ministry where we find out all kinds of problems. While they were pointing the fingers at what Mark Driscoll did, there was plenty there within their own walls. So I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. You you heard me mention this in a, a sermon that I I think I think it was uh, I think Wednesday night I may have mentioned it in a sermon. I may, be, may even mentioned it in a podcast episode. Um, but what I want to do right now is I just want us to consider some script in light of all of that. I, you can go listen to all of that. You can go read all of that. You can go process all of that. I don't really necessarily want to work through all of the ugly details. I don't, I don't want to do that because then it's just like I'm trying to benefit from, from the sensational, you know, mess that's there. What I want to do is just stop once again and try to say, we have to look at ourselves. Again, it's easy. To, now we can look at Christianity today, and that's what people will do. Well, Mark Driscoll probably wasn't saved. Nobody at Mars Hill was probably saved. I knew they were a heretic anyway. Well, Christianity today, they're a bunch of liberals. They're probably not saved anyway. That's always, whenever someone messes up, that's what our go-to response is. Well, they probably weren't even saved. I knew from the beginning. They're all messed up. And we always just like, we just go, we just find them, kick them, push their face further down in the mud and stand upon them like, see, I'm the one who got it all figured out. We, 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 we have a tendency to just do this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Let me state it for the nine billionth time, 2000 years of church history. If you've, if, if you haven't learned anything about church history, this is what you learn. The church has been messed up. The church is messed up. The church will continue to be messed up because Christians are messed up. We, we act like that we have some moral superiority that we can point the finger at everyone else, condemn everyone else, like we've got it all figured out. We're, 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 we've got it all figured out. Christian families are messed up. Christian ministries are messed up. Christians are messed up. Because we all remain sinners. I know we preach over and over and over that when you become a Christian, that all of a sudden, boom, you're a new creature. Old is gone and everything is new. And we preach that, that like that's true practically. That is true positionally. But in practice, we are still selfish sinners. We are still a train wreck in our lives over and over and over again. I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work to mortify the flesh. 
I'm saying that the reality is, no matter how much we fight it and how much we try to mortify it, before glorification, there's going to be sin and failure. It's always been that way. I mean, how do we, this is what we have a tendency to do. We, we, we read, this is how we treat people. Uh, well, it depends. We, we, we view Christianity from a Hebrews 11 perspective, right? Like we're all supposed to be heroes of the faith and, and everyone should praise us and look at all the things we do. Look at all the things we do. But it's funny when we read Hebrews 11, everyone forgets all of the wrong things those people did, right? Because Hebrews 11 doesn't mention the wrong things. It mentions what they did by faith. And we're like, that's, that's us. That's what we're supposed to be. But all of those heroes of faith were all failures in countless ways. But we forget the failures, and we, we view Christianity like we, we gain some moral superiority and we're better than everyone else when the reality is we're just broken sinners who are saved by faith, by an imputed righteousness. We, 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 we think Christianity is everyone. It's like we just, we read Hebrews 11 and we forget that, well, look at all of the, the bad things these people did. That, that just gets overlooked. Why does it get overlooked? Because they had faith and they are declared righteous and are seen as righteous in their position. But I just want to look at some scriptures. I hope that this will be helpful and challenging. And maybe you want to write these down so that you never forget them, because I know I can never forget them. The first, and there's many that could come to mind here, but I'm just going to go through them in no particular order. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 begins with basically Israel's history as an example. And we see that Israel sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. Israel messed up over and 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 over again. We all know Israel's history. Israel failed, idolatry, grumbling, complaining, rebelling. I mean, if you name it, Israel was doing it. And which, again, demonstrates even amongst God's chosen nation, there was still sin and rebellion because wherever God's people are, sin is in the midst of them. It has always been that way, all right? But look what happened. So so all of these things, look at verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. All these things about Israel have been written to be an example for you, that they are written for your admonition. Now look at verse 12. Wherefore, wherefore, based on what Israel did, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We have to constantly take heed of ourselves. It is so easy to take heed of everyone else. It is so easy to talk about everyone, gossip about everyone, slander. Maybe we tell the truth. Maybe we get it wrong. Maybe we mis- we misrepresent, but it we forget to take heed to ourselves. When we hear the story of Mars Hill, take heed of your church, of your ministry. When you hear the story of Christianity today, take heed of yourself. We have to take heed. Let me read it again. Because it's so important. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth 
Take heed lest he fall. The minute you think you stand, take heed. Because that's when, the minute you think you're okay, the the minute you think you've got it all figured out, boom, then you fall. Remember Peter, Lord, everyone else may deny you, but not me. Everyone else may, I'm willing to die for you. Uh, Everyone else may deny you. Everyone else may, may let you down, but not me. I've got it. I'm going to do it. And Peter, well, fell. We, we have this, we, we think we, we have, I think we have a, a, a disease of feelings of moral superiority and moral invincibility. And I think we're supposed to pretend that way, right? We're supposed, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Everything's changed. Everything's new. I'm going to do it. And, and we're, we're told that this is the way it has to be. Again, forgetting that we're confused, the positional standing with the practical reality, but we have to, we have to pretend that there's a practical reality, even when we all know deep down that it's not the way it was sold to us. How about Galatians chapter 6, verse 1? Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what? It is important when someone falls or someone sins to confront them, to point it out. Yes. Now, sometimes all we want to do is confront and point out and then share with everyone else. Sometimes that's what Christians want to do. Oh, did you hear? Now I got to go tell everyone what they did. I got to, I got to write a blog article. I got to, I got to post on social media. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Like everyone needs to know, right? So sometimes what we think is when someone falls, we just want to share. We want to gossip. We want to slander, but you got to have someone when someone falls, I don't know, pick up a medical kit. And run to them? We need to run to those who have fallen to fix them, to provide battlefield medicine. It's like, no, we're like, oh man, you sure made a mess of your life. Well, and then we just step over the broken body and go, did you see back there what so-and-so did? It's like we were we're more interested in sharing the failure than trying to restore the person who failed. And like many people don't believe anyone should be restored. There should be no restoration, right? That like, but they have no problem reading the Bible, reading the Psalms written by a man who murdered someone and committed adultery. They have no problem reading uh, part, books of the Bible written by a man who was a serial adulterer, polygamist, and ended up being an idolater. They have no problem with that. But and our, and our no, no, I'm sorry, you, you're you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. No time for restoration. But please note this. We want to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, someone just made a good point. I'm going to get to that just in a second because someone's making some really good points. Someone, I, I should just send someone a microphone because they're making better points than I am. Okay. But I'll read them here in a second. But this Galatians 6 passage is so important. You need to restore but you restore in a sense of meekness, considering yourself, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. 
There is no temptation that you are in that you are not vulnerable to. I want to make this very clear. There is no temptation that you are not vulnerable to. I don't care what you can say. Absolutely not. I would never. The minute you say I would never, you'll probably end up doing it. Don't say I would never. There is no temptation that you do not have a vulnerability to. Same with me. But we've got to want to restore, but we got to do so in a spirit of meekness, considering ourselves. When look, first, stop gossiping and slander and actually try to restore. Like, try to restore. Don't just call to get the dirt. Try to restore and do so considering yourself. But wait a we don't want to, I think so many people heard the story of Mark Driscoll. It wasn't like, well, let's consider ourselves. Let's like, oh man, Mark was cray crazy. Mark, Mark was cray cray. He was crazy. He was nuts. Can you, the things Mark Driscoll said, I can't believe that that happened. You know, and, and play those sensational sermon clips. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, Matthew 7, 1. Matthew 7, 1. I'm going to read all the comments uh, when I'm done here that are in the chat. Matthew chapter 7, 1. We all know this one. Judge not that ye be not judged. Now, I know immediately, I know that this passage has been abused and abused and abused and abused and abused and abused so that no, no one can ever make any kind of judgment. Just make sure if I say, if you say something and I say, judge not lest ye be judged, well, I've just had to make a judgment that you judged, right? Right? Um, um, I, that, that's the only time, that's the only time that sometimes we, we just make sure we understand when we tell someone not to judge, lest they be judged, we had to make a judgment that they judged. So we spend so much time trying to correct the misuse of this passage. So we, we all realize that this is not condemning all judging clearly because later on in chapter seven, we have to beware of false prophets, which require making a judgment. But we spend so much time trying to, we spend so much time trying to, um, we spend so much time trying to correct the passage that I think we don't spend enough time trying to figure out exactly how it applies to us in regards to judging correctly. Like we're, we spend so much time going, well, it doesn't mean that I can never judge. And then we just say, see, all of those people, they misuse this passage. See those liberals over there telling you not to judge? They're misusing it. But we, but rarely do we stop and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. wait a minute. What is this saying? What is this saying about me? What is this saying to me. So, so let's look at it. Judge not, lest ye be judged. For with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? This is about the wrong kind of judging. This is about a hypocritical judgment. This is, this is about having it all so wrong. We, 
We have to, whenever we get ready to make a judgment, we have to consider ourselves, and we have to think, am I judging them in a way that I want to be judged? Am I judging fairly? Am I judging hypocritically? Am I, am I, am I judging factually? We, we have to always correct and check the way we're judging. And am I really looking to myself? Am I looking at someone else? Oh, you got something in your eye and ignoring the, the log in our own eye. We're good at judging. We're good at pointing out everyone else's failures. We're good at condemning them. I mean, just, just look on any social media post, any, any news article, Christians jump in and boom, condemn, 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 condemn. It's like, man, it's, it's like, you know, that, that whack-a-mole game, right? We're just like, boom, hit, hit, hit. Oh, there, uh, someone's head popped up. Boom, smack it, smack it, smack it, smack it, smack it. And we just, and like, ooh, look at how many points I got. I condemned 50 people today. Look at me. Oh, how about, how about I look at myself? You can tell that, that I'm really bothered by this. And, and, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. I'll explain why in a minute. All right. And then how, uh, well, John 13, 37, we have Peter basically saying, hey, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. I'm willing to die for you. And then Jesus is like, are you sure you're, you're, you're willing to die for me? Because before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Three times or before, or let's just read it. John 13, 37. John 13, 37. Peter said unto the Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thee. And Jesus says, will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Peter, you think that you stand. You think you got it all figured out. You think you're, that you're going to stand better than everyone else, but you don't have it all together. You don't. You don't have it all together. Now, I know this creates a situation where we're then afraid to ever point out any sin or condemn any sin. Sin has to be called out. Sin has to be condemned. But we do so in a spirit of meekness, realizing and acknowledging our own failure. I think sometimes you can condemn sin and go, but that's their issue, but I've got my own issues. I think you can always and, and acknowledge how you can relate to the failure or how you have struggled with something similar. It's about acknowledging your own mess in the midst of it. Christianity today, it's just hard to compre comprehend. They're putting out episodes and then all of this is going on back behind the scenes of, well, We've got a major problem here at Christianity Today. Did they stop releasing episodes of, of, of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? No, they didn't stop. They kept writing and they kept producing. They kept writing and they kept producing. Made sure they finished their, their podcast. Instead of breaking in going, hey guys, I'm the host of this and I just want you to know that I feel a little uncomfortable right now talking about how bad Mark Driscoll was because we've got some issues developing here behind the scenes. Now, I understand there may be a time and there's place and there was maybe a legality of when you could talk about it, but maybe you put the podcast on pause or something. It just seems like, you know, hey, let's let's continue to make Mark Driscoll look as bad as he can look. Now, let me make it clear. Mark Driscoll made a bazillion mistakes. I do not like the way Mark Driscoll handled it. I don't like the way, you know, well, God's telling me that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm free to go and boom, just leaves and left Mars Hill just to collapse and implode and 
He, he didn't stick around. He didn't stick around to deal with the consequences. He just left and went and started another church. I hope he's learned. I hope he's repented. I hope for the best. But in the meantime, while, you're, where, while everyone was sitting there talking about, you know, how bad Mark Driscoll was, Christianity Today, there were some issues going on there as well. Someone posted this in the chat. I wish we were totally different when we got saved. It was something that I didn't learn for years and it hurt my faith. You know what? It's something I didn't learn. It's something I struggled with. It's something I struggle with. I kept thinking, okay, I'm a new creature. Old is gone. Old is gone. Well, why do I keep sinning? I've, I've told the story before that I even went to my first pastor. Like, could I be demon possessed? I mean, that's how utterly confused I was. Like, there's something's got to be wrong because you talked about you become a Christian and boom. And, and, and I'm looking around and, and it was, I was just so confused because I'm like, well, it's, so I guess everyone else doesn't have these problems. I guess everyone else has got to figure it out. But I kept watching what was going on. I kept watching what was going on in the youth group at that time, right? You know, one of the girls went to church camp. I didn't go to church camp because I thought the whole thing was just ridiculous, but I didn't go. And she came back changed. All right. Yeah. She came back from church camp. Absolutely changed. She came back from church camp pregnant. And I was like, well, wait, well, clearly there, she had a struggle, right? And it was just like other, I, I knew what some of the other kids in the youth group were doing. I'm like, well, clearly we don't have it all together, right? For a group of people who claims to love Jesus, it seems like we're pretty much all a mess. And then you would just see what was going on with the adults. And it's just like, I don't seem to be that excited about the things of God. Like, I don't think we're as good as we say we are. And I couldn't figure it out. So then I was, you know, I learned about the whole lordship position, right? And then I'm like, okay, now I've got an answer. Now I've got an answer, okay? Because lordship, the lordship salvation view really helped me figure it out. I, I, you know, I bought the book of the gospel according to Jesus by John MacArthur very early in my Christian life. And I was like, okay, I've got it figured out. If they don't do this and this and this and this and this and this, they are not saved. So then I could just go, okay, well, the re not saved, not saved, not saved, not saved, not saved, not saved. And I had to convince myself that I was doing these things, that I was doing these things. And I tried to focus on my fact that I listened to sermons and I was reading theology books and I was going to, and I was learning everything I could. And I was, I was taking sermon notes and, and I was reading my Bible hours and hours and hours. And I tried to focus on all the good and try to just push down any struggle and just try to convince myself that I was passing this test. And, and try to, and so if other people were messed up, I'm like, well, they're just not saved. They're, and then sooner or later you start realizing, you know, I think about the only people saved in this world is me. I think the only people, and that, that view was, had a profound impact on me or even early in my ministry. I was very much bought into that system and it was like, everyone else is messed up. Everyone else is messed up. And I also learned from a lot of Christian leaders that, hey, you focus, you, you point out what everyone else is doing wrong and you condemn them to the 18th level of hell. And it wasn't with meekness. It wasn't with compassion. It was like, no, you point them out. You condemn them. Everyone else is bad. Everyone else is messed up. We've got it all figured out. It was never, there was a, there was a lack of meekness. There was a lack of humility in me. Over and over and over and over, I, I, I encountered that. And, I, and I, I can't, listen, I make it very clear. I'm not blaming MacArthur's view. He, he can have his view. It was my fault. I, look, I'm responsible 
especially in the Protestant world, right? In the Protestant world, we don't believe in a, in a, a magisterial authority that I can just trust. Therefore, as Protestants, we're responsible for ourselves. And I, even though I was a young Christian, I, I should have learned and caught on and, and questioned the, the theology and how it was being applied. And I, and I didn't. And I went along with a lot of concepts and it did not make me better. It made me worse. It made me a condescending, arrogant jerk thinking uh, half of Christianity wasn't saved, but I was and that I was better than I thought. I, I convinced myself that I better, I was better than I was. And the reality was I wasn't. And it took me falling on my face before I really started waking up to my own stupidity, my own weakness, my own depravity, my own sin, and my own failure. Now, I still will turn on the microphone, and yes, we have to sometimes point to what's going on. We, we've covered the, a little bit of what's happened with the MacArthur situation, but I tried to say it in those episodes again. We have to use it to look to ourselves. We see a church doing something crazy with church discipline. Yes, we may say that's wrong, but we need to look to ourselves and go, well, how would we handle church discipline? In other words, it, it's, it's acceptable sometimes to point out. It, 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 can, it can make us so gun shy that we're afraid to ever call out any uh, false teaching, any heresy, any. No, we have to call it out, but we, do, we have to do so with a position of humility. We have to do so with a position of humility. That's the point I think we have to take from this. Someone just posted, it's, it's, uh, it's a church-wide view that really isn't discussed. If anyone admits sin, it's in whispers while victories are expected and screamed out. It gives off the feeling that if you're struggling, your faith isn't good, and that isn't always the case. That is such a very well-said point. It's so true. It's like, there's, and, and there's some sins you can admit to struggling with, there's some, but there's others that cannot be ever mentioned to have to be done in hushed whispers. And everyone has this feeling that we're all great. Let's all great. We're all wonderful. Now let's go condemn Disney. We're all great. Let's go condemn. Let's go condemn oh, what a liberal politician is doing because they're the ones messed up, not us. We're the... We're the, you know, example of moral superiority. When in reality, man, the church is just filled with broken, messed up people. I'm not saying we should excuse it. I'm not saying we should celebrate it. I'm saying we have to acknowledge it and walk humbly, acknowledging our own failure and weakness Instead of wrapping ourselves in fig leaves, covering our shame and our sin. We love a robe of self-righteousness because we're told it has to be that way. Salvation is by grace. Salvation is by an imputed righteousness, not an infused one. I cannot stress that enough. I hope Christianity today deals with all of their issues. I hope there's brokenness. I hope there's repentance. I hope there's apology. I hope there's forgiveness. I hope there's restoration. I hope there's reconciliation. I hope for the best. I hope for the best. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. 
They were supposed to be, you know, they had a lot of things in the works and were going to be producing other, you know, programs, kind of like the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I don't know. They had some other expose ready to go. Uh, here's the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Now let's talk about the rise and fall of Ravi Zacharias. Let's talk, talk about the rise and fall. Was it James McDonald? I think that was his name. Whoever it was, the rise and fall of whoever. Did they have more of those in place? Maybe now they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I admire the fact that they released an episode, let's report on ourselves, and they tell all, they tell the story. I, I admire that about them. That, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But man, we, we just got, we, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We just, look, I don't know. I, look, I don't know. Here's what I know. I know everyone listening to me. Look, I don't care how godly you may think you are or how godly you appear. I guarantee you there's some stuff going on in your life. And I know no matter how godly I try to appear, there's always stuff going on in my life. There's always weakness. There's always struggle. There's always sin. And if it wasn't for the imputed righteousness of Christ, I'd already be in hell. If it wasn't for the imputed righteousness of Christ, I, I should be struck down and dead right now. If I wasn't covered in, if, I, if the imputed righteousness of Christ was not accredited to my account, I deserve to just literally be struck down and killed right now because I am a sinner. Let's make it very, I am a sinner. I am a failure. I am a complete, utter mess, a dumpster fire of a human being. I, I've got no problem acknowledging that. Do I celebrate that? Absolutely not. Do I hate that? I absolutely do. Do I constantly try to get up and do better? Yes. Knowing that my security is the imputed righteousness and my hope is constantly trying to deny self, die to self, and constantly trying to mortify the flesh, making no provision of the flesh, and trying to, to live out my life as, as righteous and as godly as I can possibly be, knowing it will never be anywhere close to what it should be. I wish it was different. But it, the story to me, the story is just sad to me. It's just, it's just sad. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. You can tell me what you think. You can tell me what you, you, you think. It just, I mean, and right, look at what's going on with Hillsong right now. I mean, just go to Christianity Today and you'll see all the articles about Hillsong and every, the whole utter destruction and of everything collapsing around there. Now, some people will take that as an opportunity to dance on their theology. You know, like, their theology was garbage. Their theology was garbage. See, <laughs> Hillsong, I hated Hillsong from the beginning. I knew they were messed up. Well, I will obviously never agree with Hillsong's theology, but I don't know if it's time to do a, a, a dance and celebrate their demise. Um, it's horrible of the brokenness and the sin and the failure that has occurred. Hopefully, people will be, they can be restored and, and, and have a better theology coming out of it, hopefully. It's just, I mean, every day there's another story of something else. And, and, and Christians, I mean, all look, we've had 2,000 years to try to show how morally superior we supposedly are to the world. We, we always act like that we've got it all figured out and the world is just so messed up. But I'm saying 2,000 years, we've been on some really wrong side of things, have we not? We've had Christians support slavery. We've had Christians support all kinds of messed up stuff. 
because we're all sinners. And I guess the one thing I love is whenever I pick up my Bible and I study it, I'm constantly reminded that all these people in the Bible, they were messed up. They sinned over and over again. They fell, they lied, they, cut, they, they did all kinds of things. And I, I, the reason I love that is the Bible doesn't try to give me a book of, of fictitious people who are perfect, but of real people who were sinners, who were saved by the gracious God, merciful God, who sent his son to die for sinners, which I am the chief, as, as Paul said. See, when Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, we almost treat it like, well, Paul wasn't, when Paul said the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. It's almost like the way we preach that. It's like, well, Paul, Paul was very sensitive to his sin, but he probably, I mean, you know, we almost treat it like, you know, his sin probably was, you know, he ate the last, you know, the last bowl of cereal, or he took the last cookie, or, you know, maybe, maybe he was a little short with someone. We, we always in our mind try to picture out, well, Paul was very sensitive to sin, but it couldn't have been any major sin. It couldn't have been any serious sin. No, no, because, because that goes against our narrative that Paul, no, Paul couldn't have been doing anything too bad. Paul couldn't have been messing up too bad. Well, well, Paul seemed to really be clear that he was a sinner. Well, yeah, but it, it couldn't have been anything that bad. How do you know that? Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter messed up so bad that he had to be confronted by Paul to his face because he was had it wrong and, and, and things related to the gospel. We're all sinners. I, I guess that's the only thing I can say. We're all sinners. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. Judge people. In a way which you want to be judged, judge people not in a hypocritical way. Look at the look at what's in your own eye. Do less gossiping and slandering people and do more hopefully trying to restore people. And 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 learn that everyone, everyone listening to me, you need to be that battlefield medic. I use that example. You know, I was in the military and, and I was in, in the medical world, and that whole concept of Battlefield medic, you go out there with your, your, your kit. You don't have a lot. Uh, you don't have a lot. You can only do the bare minimum. You know, you can, you can try to, you can try to, you know, stop this or try to, I, we can go through all the different things you can do, the different you know, wounds you can try to, to take care of. But your job is to try to get there, to do what you can to sustain and preserve life till you can get them back you know, further back so that there's more medical capability. And then from there, you airlift them out to another echelon, another echelon hospital where they have more capabilities. But that battlefield medic is the one, you know, medic, and you're out there. You're helping. You don't go run. This is the difference. In a war, we don't run to someone who's wounded and go, well, you idiot. You idiot. You, you're a failure. You're a complete. Hey, Johnny, look over here. Look at this guy. You see where he got shot? The guy's stupid. Okay. I mean, we're in the middle of a war. You didn't know how to take cover. You didn't know how to protect yourself. What an it. Hey, go. Hey, John, go tell Robert what, what this guy did. Go tell, go tell Susan. This guy's an idiot over here. You did, did, did y'all hear? No, you don't sit there and start tell, hopping on social media saying, did you hear what so-and-so did? No, you stop doing that. And you get right there in the blood and the mud and you start bandaging them up. That's what you do. That's what you do. That, that is very true. 
um, as medics, we don't we we have the the Red Cross on our arm, and we we don't run around with a gun trying to harm people. That is very 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 true. Our job is to save. Our job is to restore. Our job is to preserve, not to kill. All right, I'm going to stop right there. There's so much more I could say, but I, I think I've, I've made my point. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.